Hey B, do you want to record an episode of our Criminal Minds podcast, Wheels Up? James, I would love to record an episode. Let's talk about season one, episode eight, Natural Born Killer. Hell yeah. Which like, what an episode title. What an episode title. Like, you go into this and you're like, I don't know where this episode is going, but a lot of people are probably going to have died over the course of this. You know, I'm going to say a lot of people died. You know, a lot of people got fucking died. They fucking... They got fucking died. Don't talk to me, actually. Just don't talk to me. So we're we're not going to do this episode. We're not going to record our podcast, actually. We're done. Anyway, that's been Will's up. Here's my quote. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, so one thing right off the bat, this episode takes place in Baltimore. Um, every gangster with quotation marks has that Italian accent. Yeah, I, I wrote a note. My first note for this episode <laughs> is that the bartender says, like, you're a bunch of comedians. Like, the most <laughs> New York-ass New Yorker to ever exist. Yeah. He's like, you're a bunch of fucking comedians, huh? <laughs> like, Yeah, and then it was... Baltimore and I was like why does everyone sound like the godfather <laughs> is that not what Baltimore sounds like I, I I will admit I've never been to Baltimore no so Baltimore the Baltimore accent is exemplified in the way they don't say Baltimore it's like Baltimore oh so they just don't pronounce words or letters yeah like they have you seen that vine terms. That's like Aaron Irons and Iron Earth. Oh, that's Baltimore? That's the Baltimore accent. Oh, okay. So it's yeah. not at all the like classic mafia New no, York. No, and I and I don't accent. think Baltimore has a large population of Italians. It doesn't Yeah, it certainly does not seem that way, except that's not what criminal minds would lead you to believe with this episode. Yeah, I mean I could be wrong. I mean, I, I only lived in Baltimore for three years. I could be wrong. <laughs> no, actually, you're never wrong now. You're a Baltimore expert. Everything you say about the city of Baltimore <laughs> will be correct. <laughs> exactly. Um, I like how your wife just keeps coming in and giving you food and then she, leaving. <laughs> she made chocolate today. Oh, my God. Love that for you. Yeah. This one, I think, is assaulted. I don't know what the first flavor was, but it was really good. This is salted. <laughs> James is now doing a taste test of chocolate, something that will certainly translate well to our audio podcast. It's pretty good. The only downside to this is the recipe did call for coconut oil, and I am allergic to coconut. So we're really going to see how... Um... Oh, so you might just, like, die here, right? <laughs> I might just, like, throw up a little bit. Yeah. You might just die on this Zoom call while we record this podcast. <laughs> Salted chocolate is not bad. Salted caramel chocolate? Yeah, dude. No, not salted caramel chocolate. Oh. It's chocolate with salt in it. Just salt chocolate. Okay, yeah. You know what? Tracks. (laughs) You gotta leave this in. (laughs) A brief chocolate (laughs) break. (laughs) Just you eating chocolate and me commentating what the fuck you're doing. (laughs) Okay. So they do a really cool thing where like, there's two fucking dudes walking through a bar. It's fucking Jimmy and Frankie. And, uh, and Freddy, Frankie. Freddy. Freddy, sorry. Freddy. Some other fucking bullshit fake <laughs> fake ass mafia name. Yeah. Um, 
so Freddie walks into this like uh Jimmy takes him home, Freddie walks into this nice looking suburban house, and then they just do a Wait, hold on, you skipped something important. Okay, I'm sorry. Go. While they're leaving the bar, two cops come in and one of them sees Freddie and is like, Hey, Freddie, I haven't seen you around in a bit. And Freddie's all like, yeah, you haven't seen me since you arrested me. I'm not going to do an Italian accent. Oh, wait, no, that's Jimmy who does that. The undercover oh, one Jimmy. is Jimmy. Right, yeah. Jimmy. They're like, oh, Jimmy, like, I haven't seen you in forever. And he's like, oh, since uh, you arrested me. And the guy is like, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, don't commit any more crimes, Jimmy. And they You leave. know how cops do. Yeah. <laughs> how and... they just warn you to not commit more crimes. <laughs> you <Exactly>. know. <laughs> exactly. And, um, yeah, so they do that, and Freddie is all like, hey, since when are you friends with cops? And Jimmy is like, I'm fucking not. And the hint, right, is that Jimmy is undercover. And I made a note, because to my trained crime show watching 2021 millennial eye it is so clear that he's supposed to be undercover in 2005 would this have been clear well like in 2005 is this supposed to be like something's up but i don't know what or do you think they'd be like oh he's undercover i think in 2005 it would have been I mean, it also just depends on how many procedural TV shows you watch, right? Because That's true. we have watched a lot of Criminal Minds <laughs> and yeah. a lot of other procedurals, I can assume, and we know how it works. And we're like, oh, yeah, that means that that dude's like undercover or whatever. But yeah. also, 2005. Yeah. I just made a note of that. I was like, I wonder. Like, in the same way that's, like, in LDSK, like, would people have known that Hotch was conning the killer? You know, I wonder, like, if people would have picked up that Jimmy was undercover. Jimmy was undercover. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I honestly kind of forgot that the whole thing was that he was undercover. I forgot that that was the impetus for this whole fucking episode. (laughs) So. Uh Uh-huh. That shows you how fondly I look back on season one. The answer is not at all. I did not remember this episode. So Freddie, so Jimmy takes Freddie home and Freddie goes into this like nice looking, like little two story house in the suburbs with his fucking aunt and uncle. And then it cuts to like later some fucking neighbor is coming out of her house because there's loud ass fucking music playing. And she's, <laughs> this neighbor starts like banging on the door of that nice little house and is like, do you know what fucking time it is? Like, <laughs> She's got her robe on. She's got her curlers in. Yeah. She's like, I was very clearly sleeping. I need you to turn this music off. And she gets to the door, she bangs on it. And then she like, look, she like, puts her hand on the handle and there's like blood on it and she's like <gasps> and then some dude fucking comes barreling out of the door Jimmy mm-hmm. from Jimmy. earlier and like runs past her and out into the street I am they do okay this is something that happens so much <sighs> in shows 
I have never knocked on someone's door and then tried the door handle. Like it has never crossed my mind to be like, knock, knock, knock. No answer. I wonder if the door's unlocked. I don't know. Yeah, that does seem like a... That seems ha- like something people all did the time. earlier. But like, I'm not stepping my foot in your fucking home if you are not expressly opening the door to invite me in. Is that just like a... People did that back then? Is that a I thing people know. did in 2005? Did they just leave their front door unlocked? Because like, I feel like... So like nowadays, like I have had neighbors playing loud music. I am not, I'm not going to put in a noise complaint. Yeah. Because fuck the cops. Yeah, I'm exactly. I'm not calling the cops on someone. Um, but in 2005, I feel like that would have been knock, knock, knock. The music's too loud. I'm calling the police. Especially that type of white woman. Yeah. going to come knocking on your door. But like to, to then be like, I am going to enter your house. And turn this music off. What is that? Do you remember? There's a there's a fucking joke that I saw once that it was like, no wonder the 70s had so many serial killers because everybody just left their door unlocked and let people in. Do you think maybe it's just like the natural evolution of that is now nobody is fucking stepping foot inside my house if I do not expressly invite them in? <laughs> yeah, but like even in 2005, Baltimore... They're not, Baltimore's a predominantly black city. But they're in this nice little idyllic suburb part of it. Still. Still, though, yeah, no, I get you. I get you. It's fucking bullshit. In the the city, city. I cannot imagine entering somebody's house. The only way in which I am. So you get shot. (laughs) It's just walking into someone's house. The only way in which I am doing that knock, 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 opening the door anyway thing is if, this is very specific, but if I'm hired to do like some fucking farm work on somebody's farm in the country, right, where I grew up, I did that a lot, where I would like knock on the door and be like, hey, you home, and somebody would just yell like, come in, and so I fucking tried the door. Yeah. But I'm still not doing it unless somebody yells, come in. Like. Right. Yeah, I I feel like there's a step that they missed here, and I don't know if this is just like my social anxiety or the fact that we just don't do this anymore. But that's fucking bonkers to just want to enter somebody's house. Like, what was her plan once she got in? What was that thought process? Also, here's a question: Why would the serial killer, who we've learned is a natural-born killer and will later learn as a hitman, why would the outside front that doorknob of the house be bloody criminal minds does this a lot too where (laughs) there's blood in places that it shouldn't be and nobody's like why is that bloody (laughs) it's like on the one hand like there's a lot of blood inside and freddie does get chopped up and put in a bunch of trash freddie does get chopped to fucking bits yes 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 but a bloody doorknob? Like, is the killer the leaving the house, like, holding all of Freddy's pieces <laughs> in his arms? Like, having like, to fucking reach behind him blindly to close the door? It doesn't make yeah, any sense. Like, it doesn't Why make was any there sense. blood there? Why was there blood there? I 
Anyway, Jimmy bursts out of the house. The lady like flies backwards onto the steps, splayed on the ground, screaming. And then they um, transition to daytime. Yeah. Which I actually really liked is they just like, they zoom out and they just hold on a shot for a while. And then they just transition it to daytime when there's like police tape and everything yeah. there. And so we find out that Derek was in Baltimore when the call came in. He was like consulting Baltimore PD or like running a class or something. He was teaching an in-service. Which I don't know what that means. I I think it's sort of same thing as like fucking, you know, when like teachers have in-service in school where they like learn how to be teachers. I feel like this is like uh, a special class for cops to be cops. Cops um, to be cops. But I also like that they do this where they like talk about their educate the BAU's like education efforts because they mention mm-hmm. this fairly often which is like this is what the actual BAU does is they fucking teach cops yeah things right um, and so like yeah. i like that this show is like yeah we also teach people that's like mainly what we do we catch killers sure but we also do teach people like i wrote books <laughs> i make powerpoints for a living what's up <laughs> what's up i make powerpoints for a living <laughs> ideal job um, Sharon literally makes PowerPoints for a living. She's a graphic designer. Um, Your wife's living the dream, I gotta say. <laughs> honestly. Um, but I don't think they've done it yet. But later on in the briefing room, when they like spend more time in there, there's like a whiteboard up on the wall that says like teaching this, like lessons in this, like on the wall. So it like looks like they have like, uh, some sort of teaching schedule and they never like mention it and but i've already they... noticed it a couple of times but it's like there is like that nice piece of like background dressing yeah like, whose job is it this week to go teach this thing you know yeah and then they also say it when like sometimes when people are just gone they're like oh they're off teaching in whatever department or oh they're off consulting somewhere else yeah, and we see that, like, when, when Reed and Penelope have to, like, repass their physicals, <laughs> Derek is, like, the guy that does it. And then, like, we learn that, like, Derek was teaching JJ, like, self-defense. And we see him, like, leading a glass of, a class of, like, excuse me, a class of, like, FBI Academy students. Yeah. So we do see it. Like, at one point... Emily and like Steven or something are teaching like a profiling 202 class. Yeah. In season like 13. So we see that a lot. So it's, it's just actually, interesting. I, I really like it because it, number one, mechanically, it lets the writers get away with a lot of like, sometimes this person's just not here. Right. <laughs> and so I like that. I also just like it because the other show that does a lot about this is um, on Netflix, Mindhunter. Um, oh, it's about is, the same department. It's about the same thing. It's about how they started the BAU. Yeah. And so they focus a lot on the fact that they are just like teaching cops to recognize patterns and shit. Uh, Mindhunter, yeah. dreadfully fucking slow. So yeah. fucking slow. Season one is much better than season two, but season two does have lesbians. True. Yeah. So I got really that. bored like three episodes into season two. <laughs> Whoever I fucking think- Jonathan Groff's character in that show is is fucking insufferable. Season one is, like, really good, and I really like his character in that. But in season two, I was like, oh, I would fucking hate this guy. Oh, you're that kind of white boy. I see. I see. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, enough about other 
serial killer shows. Let's go back to fucking right. Criminal Minds. This one. Yeah. So anyway, I, I thought it was interesting that they gave an excuse as to why Derek would have seen the case. Because in every episode so far this season, it's been like Hotch gets a phone call out of nowhere about a case. Mm-hmm. Or like um, Elle just so happened to do this or JJ made a connection. You know, like they're not yeah, like... A lot of serendipity thus far. This one is just like, Derek saw this case because he was here teaching people because that is the BAU's job. Right. So I think it's interesting because later they like, they haven't decided whose job it is to pick cases yet. Later, it's like JJ being like, we have a case. I have chosen a case for us to work on. Whereas like in season one, they're like, yeah, we just keep kind of like stumbling into serial killers. <laughs> they really like, just yeah. like stumble ass backwards into cases. And it's really yeah. funny, actually. Yeah. So they're in the house. Derek says he happened to hear the call come in. And so we find out that William and Helen DeMarco um, live in the house, both dead. They have no kids. And we saw a white man leaving the scene. And this um, murder scene is grisly as fuck. Oh my god. There's, There's so, so much, much blood, blood. Uh, everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. And Derek says that it's a BAU case because of just like the massive overkill. Because like massive. Helen, he like kind of walks through and he's like, okay, so Helen was tied to this chair. She had one cut on her throat and she was dead pretty much instantly because the blood splatter is up to the fucking ceiling. Oh God, it was so rough. (laughs) And then her husband in the shower did not fare quite as well because he got fucking tortured in like four different ways. And then just like gut like a fucking deer. Yeah. Oh, this show gross (laughs) sometimes. Sometimes this was kind of gross. Sometimes the show um, so fucking gross. You know what? I do. I did want to mention this though. People call this show and this, you know, general genre as like torture porn, like serial killer porn. I don't really feel like Criminal Minds does kind of celebrate the serial killing aspect. Like they talk about it. Sometimes the cases are like fucking wild but it doesn't sometimes they're pretty fucking bonkers yeah yeah but it doesn't like in the in the way that svu is like the woman in the alley and it's gritty and it's dirty and we're gonna talk about all the ways she was assaulted and brutalized this show is like hey this thing bad let's stop them before they do more of this thing like it doesn't (laughs) feel like it's, it's gross yeah it like doesn't necessarily feel like it like lingers on the the trauma the grisliness of it i think yeah there are some episodes that do it worse than this one i think overall criminal minds does try and like they focus more on finding the people but there are i guess i mean there are some episodes that you could make that argument of like the one that comes to my mind is the the kansas city one with the the big old torture chamber thing the big old torture plant um yeah where it like cuts to the lady as she's going through this guy's fucking sick ass jigsaw game or whatever um yeah. and there are some episodes where like they 
focus on the people who are like getting the axe committed to them but whenever they do that it's never like bloody or gory it's always like psychological first so like I can kind of see where that comes from, but with Criminal Minds, I feel like they do try and, like, like we talked about, they do try and, like, humanize the victims a lot more than other shows do, than, like, for example, in SVU, um, which I love, because if they didn't, I would go fucking bonkers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I think that, you know, the times that I feel like they are overly glorifying or romanticizing serial killing is, like, with, like, Frank then they're like mm-hmm. the most prolific serial killer and they let him like talk and talk but those episodes are not gory and then when they have an episode that's like really gory like the Frankie Muniz episode <laughs> you know yeah. but in that type of episode though they go out of their way not to romanticize you know like I feel like they have a good balance of like if we're going to like deep dive into a serial killer it's about the psychology not the like death and then if we're going to like deep dive into like death and blood then it's it's not gonna like care too much about letting the killer have a talk you know yeah I feel like they try really hard I think the thing is is that they're at least cognizant of it like the fact that you can tell that they thought about it makes it indefinitely better than Mm -hmm. like an svu right yes not to like harp on svu or anything that's just the example that you use and that's the one that like to me is most like misery porn right but yeah yeah i think the fact that they think about it and they clearly come down on like okay well we can't that would be too much like if some of the episodes in criminal minds feels like they were thinking about doing more and then they were like oh that might be a little too much and the fact that they came back and stopped it is like okay this is fine i can deal with this right yeah and like it feels much more focused on like the agents the fbi agents Mm -hmm. you know and like how they react to these crimes as opposed to svu which feels very much like a traditional procedural of just like crime after crime after crime after woman brutalized after woman brutalized yeah you know yeah, I don't know. We we something we can keep an eye out for because, you know, whenever I tell someone who knows me that I love Criminal Minds, they're like, "Really? You love like this torture <laughs> porn show?" And I'm like, "It's not. It's not really. It's not really though." They try hard not to be, which I think is like the point. Yeah, is they like try not to be. Yeah. Um. Okay. Can we talk more about the fact that at this crime scene, Gideon takes one look at the tub and goes, there was another person here who bled <laughs> out completely. Can we take um, a moment? Yeah. Can we, yeah, can we I, talk about that? Yeah. So, yeah. So um, real quick, they talk about how the killer was both disorganized and organized. There's different methods of like the unorganized is like William was burnt and cut and they were taken to different places and the time of death and the torture versus like the quick death of um, Helen. They also make uh, a point to be like, usually people don't mix torture methods because if you burn, all you do is burn. You don't right. burn and cut and yeah. like do that. You do like yeah. one or the other. Yeah, but at the same time, he like was organized because Helen's kill was very like neat and clean and quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're like, ooh, um, 
And then also like, okay, I literally wrote this on a post-it note to remember when it came up again. Hold on. <laughs> James is digging around and has okay. a post-it note. In season one, episode one, Extreme Aggressor, mm-hmm. the guy who plays Garth in Supernatural, who's the skinny unsub in that episode. Mm-hmm. The dude who plays Z in, in uh, Z Nation. Yes. He talks about how Gideon wrote a paper about how Gideon does not believe in multiple personalities. He doesn't believe in disassociative identity disorder. Okay. Season mm-hmm. one, episode one, Gideon does not believe in it. Mm-hmm. Season one, episode eight, Gideon maybe the answer has multiple personalities. <laughs> Isn't that the most like academic bullshit you've heard where they like write a paper against it and then as soon as they're presented with like, well, I don't know what the fuck is going on here. Maybe it's multiple identities. It took Gideon seven episodes to walk back a fucking published paper he'd written. <laughs> I love that you wrote that down specifically to dunk on Jason Gideon in about eight episodes. <laughs> well, I, wrote, I, I didn't remember it in this episode. I wrote it down because of Henkel. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because in Henkel, Gideon's like, he is, you know, uh, well, they say multiple personalities. I'm going to call it, but it is disassociative identity disorder. Yeah, they, they, yeah. that's one of those things that they change because, hey, it was 2005. <laughs> Yeah. And they um, change it later in like season yeah. four or five or whatever. Yeah. And also like in the Hinkle episode, he does have, you know, multiple personalities, you know. So in episode one, as soon as Gideon was like, yeah, I don't believe in it. That's fake. I was like, I'm taking a fucking note because <laughs> your fucking unsub in season two, episode 14 has multiple personalities. I love that you like heard him say that, narrowed your eyes, and then wrote out a receipt just to pull out yeah. later. <laughs> I, like literally, it's been it's been pinned to my corkboard since we filmed that episode in <laughs> fucking October. 2020 okay god don't let people know how long it took for us to actually get this podcast started please don't <laughs> let them know that we had that we were sitting on that episode for like a solid three months <laughs> don't let people know that we're good uh, podcasters please yeah 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 <laughs> um yeah and then he looks at the blood and it's like somebody was drained completely and then reads like yep mm-hmm, fucking 10.6 liters or whatever oop <laughs> like it's interesting. Okay, here's what's interesting to me. Uh-huh. You, based on what I've seen in other crime shows, you can completely insanguinate someone not cutting them to pieces. Yeah, that is true. That is something that they do later on in Criminal Minds. Yes, that is something they do later on in Criminal Minds. So why, then, does he look at a bathtub and says, that dude fucking cut someone to pieces um well few reasons number one uh it would be somehow less messy i think to cut them to pieces than to exsanguinate and then use their and then drag their floppy body elsewhere (laughs) your body doesn't become floppy without blood you don't got any fucking moisture in you at that point you just kind of become like a sponge right like you become like a. I feel like you'd be stiff because you were only bones at that point oh true okay but then again if you cut all your bones out you'd be floppy harry potter you know (laughs) bones lockhart style but but 
you'd probably be it, real. It makes more sense to me to be to like, touch. yeah, but it also is like much easier to transport cut up body pieces than just like a whole body. One hundred percent. I mean, one hundred percent. I'm not doubting that, but just like to look at a bathtub of blood and say, <laughs> no, yeah, they somebody got someone cut to, to fucking pieces. pieces. <laughs> yeah. So this was some of Freddy, which is the third guy, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then it cuts to like JJ's talking to the media and giving the profile. She's like reading the profile to the media. Yeah, she's like immediately giving them the description. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right. Even though five minutes earlier, Gideon was like, "Witness descriptions are historically inaccurate," and then JJ's like, "Just like a white male between ages thirty and forty. Yeah. Oh, so funny. Um. Yeah, so they have to figure out, like, and then it goes back inside, and they're saying, like, okay, so torture, like, there's functional torture to get information, and then there's, like, sadistic torture just for kicks. Yeah. Yeah, so they've got, like, they've got to figure it out, and they realize, okay, so he killed Helen to torture William. Like, it was, like, a psychological torture. He killed her in front of William Mm -hmm. to weaken his mental capacities. So the guy is either a professional killer, um, a natural born killer, if one, <laughs> if I may say so, <laughs> or a psychopath. Yeah. Por qué no los dos? I don't know. <laughs> Why can't he be both? <laughs> um, yeah. So they head and, back yeah. to the BAU at this point, right? Yeah. So well, we get a we get a clip of Jimmy in his apartment watching JJ give the description on television and he calls his detective or he calls his he calls somebody manager guy yeah and he's like the detective made me and now like they're describing me and like freddy is dead and the guy is like just hold on hold out just wait don't worry about it just wait and jimmy's like ooh, okay Mm -hmm. so they make plans to like they're gonna pick Jimmy up later, basically. They're just like, hold yeah. tight for now, Jims. We'll get you out there later. We find out it's 24 hours later. Yeah. We find out they made him wait another day. Um, Garcia searches for similar cases and finds cases going back 10 years. She finds a whole fucking bunch of them. And yeah. she, like, brings in, like, boxes and she's like, there's more on the way, by the way. Yeah. And... It's, they start like putting up things and they have a whole shit ton. A whole shit ton. It's to really go. interesting to me because they're like the most prolific serial killer. But they say the same fucking shit in the middle of season three with Frank. They, they the use like, they're like John Frank. Wayne Gacy like killed 30 or whatever. And he's like, if all of these are actually his, then he's more prolific than Gacy. And then they fucking, what ki- what kills me is, like, there's those other cases, like the one creepy one in Detroit, where they find all of the pairs of shoes, of, like, hundreds of pairs of shoes. Oh, yeah. And then the same thing for that same Kansas City episode that I mentioned earlier, is they have hundreds and hundreds of people who have gone missing and died at this dude's hand. And so, in Canada, the one with the pig farm. Yeah, no, the pig farm is the one that I was talking about. It's the oh, Canada, yeah, Canada. It's like a Detroit. Yeah, they like cross the border, or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so 
Somebody is yeah. just fucking going to town on a snowblower outside my window. I can't hear it. Good. Um. So, like, <laughs> there's obviously, like, they have to know at this point. They have to be beaten down enough by the possibility that, like, there's somebody out there who's killed hundreds of people that you don't even know about yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's rough. Um, And then it cuts from Garcia and Morgan to um, back to the street. And somebody finds a head, Freddy's head, in the neighborhood trash can. Yeah. And you find out that he was in seven trash cans along the street. Yeah, so they kind of, like, they go back to the briefing room at that point, And they're, like, talking about, like, yeah, well, we found Freddy's head in seven different trash cans. Or Freddy's body in seven different trash cans. And he had ties to organized crime. So yeah. was this so, a yeah. hit? And then... JJ comes in and she's like, hey, Gideon, there's some fucking agents who want to talk to you. The the organized crime out of Baltimore, the FBI officer, whatever, wants to talk to you or whatever. Yeah. So Gideon and Hotch, like, <laughs> yeah. go out there. Yeah, JJ brings in, like, the sketch and then it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, there's, like, some guy that's super angry out there. So they go out there. This guy, whose name is Kramer... Detective he, Kramer. Detective Kramer. Agent Kramer. A- agent, sorry, agent. yeah. <laughs> agent Kramer. He brought his whole ass team. There's like Why five did guys in the background. It's like a field trip, I guess. I don't know. I mean, we say that like the BAU doesn't bring all fucking ten of them when, <laughs> whenever they go <laughs> yeah, somewhere. Yeah, fair. But like he literally came here, wanted to say one thing, take the case back and leave. Like, was he expecting them to have like a dance off for it? Are they like the Jets and the Sharks now? I don't understand. He's like, if I have to make the fucking hour and a half drive from Baltimore to D.C., I am bringing my boys along with me. (laughs) I am bringing my boys because I do not want to drive alone. Yeah. So you find out he's the FBI agent in charge of organized crime. He's like, stop looking into it. Drop it. Stop it. We've got it from here. We've got it. Don't worry about it. And Gideon's like, yeah, okay. And then he goes back into the office and uh, immediately Morgan is like, Morgan's like, are we really dropping the case? And Gideon's like, okay, let's see. Freddy is tied. So he like immediately doesn't answer. He's just like, you're going to go do this and you're going to go do this. And that's it. We're done. Like, bye. <laughs> I love too that Hotchner is just like standing there making nice with people. Mm-hmm. This episode, by the way, the back half of this episode is like Aaron Hotchner's time to shine. I love him in the Ugh. back half of this episode. But he literally is just there to be like, yep, absolutely. We'll definitely stop looking into it. And then Gideon walks <laughs> away and he can probably look into the fucking meeting room and be like, Gideon is still working on it. But he's like trying to distract the other dude. He's like, so if you want to leave, we have refreshments over here. <laughs> like He's just <laughs> yeah. like trying to get everybody out so that they can he, like, working. He's like looking past Kramer to see Gideon still putting photos up. And he's like, anyway, if you would like to come with me in this direction, <laughs> yeah. don't yeah. look over your shoulder as they continue to keep working. We definitely are dropping this, sir. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And I just yeah. love that. I love those episodes that you can tell like, Hotchner's the peacekeeper. He's the smooth mm-hmm. talker. He's mm-hmm. the he's the suit who can get you to think that like he's agreeing with what you're saying when he's very obviously not. Yeah. Like I just I love I love one thing I like love about Hotch is that he's like he's very aware that he is like the good looking middle aged white guy in a suit. 
So whenever there's like a problem, he's like, hey, team. Hey, Derek, who is black and Emily and JJ, who are women and Reed, who's skinny. If you could step out of the room, I will be the white man who gets information out of them. Like he knows exactly that he's like, all right, time for me to tighten my tie and like go do my professional like I'm a man in charge and you will respect me. Like, love that about him. Yeah, he's so, I love, I just love that he knows that he's the white guy. Yeah. You know? He's like, he's like very aware. He's like, I got And so he just like lets it happen. He's like, whatever, fine, I will be the white guy. Yeah, he's like, I am the face of this. Like, (laughs) yeah. So they find out that Freddie worked for Michael Russo at a junkyard and Hotch and Derek go and they tell Michael that Freddie's dead and Michael's like, oh, how sad. A shame. <laughs> oh, what a shame. And right next to him, he's like in like a jumpsuit or something. Like he's like, this is my junkyard. I work here. And then next to him is like a, du- a huge dude in a suit just like cracking his knuckles. <laughs> he talks to the yeah. FBI. The least... Like, the most obvious mob bodyguard I've ever seen is standing right next to Michael Russo. It's so fucking yeah. funny. Yeah. Um, and then Derek gets into Michael's face, and he, like, implies that Michael did it. And then Michael's like, I'm just a humble Italian junkyard worker with the bodyguard. <laughs> He's like, you know, it's all about recycling. It's all about Mother Earth, dude. <laughs> like... Yeah. <sighs> Um, and then, okay, and then it goes to Reed and Penelope in Penelope's office. And Elle comes in and is like, oh, you kids hanging out? And Penelope's like, why would I want to hang out with Spencer? On <laughs> <laughs> another case of Spencer Reed being the biggest fucking nerd. I was just like, ow. <laughs> fucking why? roast him. Okay, dude. Yeah. And then Elle, like, puts her coffee down and Penelope just moves it she's just they... like move glare <laughs> like, why why do they have this tension girl bosses girl boss together ladies why are you pitting them against each other i don't know i well to be fair like it's a room full of computers and i was like yeah i'm gonna put my paper cup of scalding hot coffee right next to your fucking keyboard Garcia. which like i get it i don't get why Elle's mad about it but i also yeah. don't get why garcia wouldn't take the time to be like Hey, this whole room is full of computers. Can you not? She does. She does the next time. It happens the next, twice after this she throws her coffee in the fucking trash. Like, <laughs> girl boss is girl boss together. What are you doing? Like, pinning them against each other. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't know. Garcia's like. We're all girl bosses here. We shouldn't be fighting, ladies. This is like two episodes in a row that Garcia has been like. There's like the prison bitch joke to Spencer in the previous episode, and now Garcia's being all like. Why would I spend time with him? <laughs> like, why are they making Garcia like this? I just don't think they knew what to do with Garcia's personality right now. Yeah. Like, I just, it's so wild to. Yeah. Girl boss yeah. is girl boss together, y'all. <laughs> when one of us is a girl boss, we're all girl bosses. Let's stick together, ladies. <laughs> Real queens fix each other's crown. Exactly. 
That's going to be the title of this episode. (laughs) I know we're talking about grisly murder and shit, but really it's fix each other's crowns. Yes. Um, There's a ship. You can cut this part out, but there's a ship no one talks about. Ellen Penelope. Okay, but I think they could be so much fun. It's like, it's like Elle is like angry and Penelope is like angry, but like in a like cute way. I think it would have been so fun. Like the enemies to lovers of it all. Yes. The enemies to lovers of it all. God, we could have had it all if any of the women on this show we were We could gay. have had it all. <laughs> okay. I just, the enemies to lovers of it all of like Penel. the angry one finally like. like breaking their walls down for the cute smiley one like they start hooking up and it's like angry hate rival sex and then one day like Penelope gets like hurt in the field and Elle is like excuse me that is the person that I kiss you're not allowed to hurt them like (laughs) everyone talks about gel no one talks about Penel I think I'm leaving that in the podcast. Okay. I'm deciding that this podcast ships all of them together at all times. Oh, yeah. Any combo, any way, any day. Any combo of the ladies, I'm here for it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I hate us. We can, like, we'll just, we'll shit on all of us. The straight ships, we'll shit on Hotchness, we'll shit on Demily, we'll shit on Jeed, we'll shit on Willifer, we'll shit on Josh. Gotch, all of it bad. Lesbian any ships, combination every of single the ladies, one. <laughs> we're here. We're here for it. Any combination oh, of the ladies. Oh no. Okay, <laughs> gotta get back to this case. Oop. Yeah, let's do it. I'm just fully laying down under all of my blankets now. That's how this podcast recording is going. I like that your camera. You're like in the darkness and i'm here in my like orange glow from above again can't use any power so i have my lamp on and a candle on the table so (laughs) thriving i'm doing my part okay that's fair um yeah so they're searching for people it could be james baker comes up jimmy um his like rap sheet is like attempted murder and like stealing and stuff and then like rape but no like assaults and it like doesn't make any sense because like when he was young he did like attempted murder and then when he got older it was just like armed robbery and they're like it was just much much more petty crimes they're like man this kid was dope when he was like 14 but then he really fucking mellowed out like what the hell they were like that doesn't happen nobody starts with like murder murder and then switches to like robbing gas stations (laughs) Like, yeah, they go from murder to more worse murder. Um, and but then they see the picture and it looks just like the sketch, which I okay, I mean this both in real life and in Criminal Minds. Sketches to me never look like the person, never, they're like it looks exactly like him, and I'm like, does it? <laughs> does it reed and l are like looking at this rap sheet and they're like this doesn't make sense this just looks like somebody put things in to make a rap sheet they were just plugging stuff in and they they're like what what if you what if he was undercover holy shit 
Yeah. And so at the same time that that's happening, Hotch and Morgan are at Jimmy's apartment. And Hotch kicks in the door. Point one for Hotch kicking in doors. Another little tally in his um, side of the the chart. But then later... Derek punches open a wall. So <laughs> yes, he does. I feel like they yeah. even out. <laughs> I feel like they yeah. even out. So the apartment's like absolutely empty. Um, they call it a a crash pad. Oh, I have a good quote here. Um, should I say the quote or save it so that I only say it at the end? Is it like a funny one? No, then but I think it. it's the only quote I wrote down. <laughs> Oh, no, I do have a funny one at the end. Okay, Okay, so then just say it. Great. So Derek looks around and goes, it's an artificial dwelling to match an artificial past. Damn, Derek. Damn, bro. (laughs) Yeah. So then it cuts to, like, Jimmy on the street corner being like, come on, guys. Come on. Where are you? Um, He's having a time. He's going through some stuff. So then Derek, like, punches through the wall, finds touches picks up the gun yeah Yeah. so he's like this is a glock 19 this is standard issue and then he looks at the bullets and he's like these are law enforcement these are law enforcement bullets these are bullets for cops which is apparently (laughs) something you can tell yeah and then this is when we find out that Derek did 18 months of deep cover I 18 months okay listen yeah, because because of my rewrite fan fiction, mm-hmm. I have deep dived into Emily Prentice's life timeline. I need to do that for Derek because it makes no goddamn sense. He was, uh, he like went to law school. When when did he go to law school? I thought he just went to get criminal justice degree. No, he like has a law degree from. So okay, let me look it up now. I thought um, he just had a Northwestern, like, criminal studies degree. Morgan. No, I'm pretty sure it's law. Is um, it, like, pre-law? It might just be pre-law. Because um, I feel like Derek Morgan didn't have the time to pass the bar. He's an honor graduate in law. What? He went to mean- Northwestern University on a football scholarship and is an honor graduate in law. He holds a black belt in judo, runs FBI self-defense classes, served in a bomb squad unit, and worked as a Chicago police officer. He also was undercover for 18 months and is an expert in obsessional crimes. He's so good at everything. Like, leave some for the rest of us, Derek. (laughs) Leave some yeah. for the fucking rest of us, bro. Yeah, I just it's interesting. Um They really did just give him a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, good for him though. Yeah, he's like getting it fucking done, dude. So we find out that Derek did 18 months deep cover. Love that for him. A multi-talented king. Yes, and that's how he knows that this guy must be undercover. The fake rap sheet, the crash pad, mm-hmm. um, all of that. So everybody heads back to the BAU. We kind of reconvene back there. Yeah. And 
the fucking agent from earlier, Agent Kramer, mm-hmm. they just like assume that we think time has passed here, which I love. But Agent Kramer comes through and he like runs into Hodge's office and he's like, you fucking ran my guy's gun? Well, we see. So what happens is the, the van pulls up to the corner where Jimmy was and he's not there. And they're like, fuck, we said we'd be here at eight. And we weren't because traffic in Baltimore fucking sucks. And then <laughs> that sounds they... like a very specific gripe against Baltimore. <laughs> I have a very specific gripe against traffic in the larger DMV area. Baker's missing. Yes. Jimmy's missing. The detective goes to Quantico and is like, what the fuck? You He's like yelling at Hotch. And I love how Hotchner is just like, first of all, don't fucking yell at me. <laughs> like, first of all, stop fucking yelling and then gideon like pokes his head in like ooh, drama what's going down ladies gideon's (laughs) literally like knock 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 who's yelling bitches who's yelling (laughs) um and so he's like okay well let me talk to jimmy and they're like we don't have jimmy and he's like well if you don't have jimmy and i don't have jimmy Jimmy. where's jimmy Jimmy? (laughs) he's been gone for 12 hours um you find out that like he went to Freddie's house after the murders happened because he was like nervous that Freddie thought that he was like friends. He was like nervous about his cover. He was yeah. like, Freddie's going to take out friends with the cops. Like, let me go like check on him. But then when he got there, it was covered in blood and he had to ditch because he's undercover. Yeah. Um, And they said like, maybe he ran. I don't know what this note means. Maybe ran, but really experienced. I don't know what the fuck that note means. They were like, well, maybe he he's much too, like, experienced as an undercover agent to have just fucking ditched. So. Oh, that's true. So they were like, he, oh, 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 oh. People were like, maybe he ran because he was being, like, suspected of the crimes. And the detective was like, maybe, but, like, he's really experienced. Like, he wouldn't have been like, uh-oh, they think I killed someone. Time to get out of town. Like, he wouldn't yeah. have done that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, that doesn't make sense now. So they think that, oh, the target of Jimmy's undercover, now we get the whole story, is Michael Russo, the guy that they talked to, the mafia junkyard man. They've been after yeah. him for like three years. Jimmy's been undercover for nearly two years. Um, but Russo's like a really good liar. And then Kramer like tries to leave and Gideon like makes him sit down and is like, listen, now we work together. And Kramer, oh yeah, Kramer just has a picture of Jimmy and his family in his inside jacket pocket. Like he reaches into his jacket and pulls out a picture of Jimmy and his wife and kids. And I was like, that's kind of gay, dude. (laughs) That's kind of gay, honestly. Not to like chomp this dude's balls about it, but like that's kind of gay, bro. Yeah. So then we see Jimmy being hurt and he gets like cut and the guy is like, it's warm, so they'll be coming for you soon, blah, blah, blah. And you, like, don't know what he's talking about, but, like, he, like, cuts Jimmy's leg and he, like, is bleeding. And then, like, whoever's torturing him leaves. So this is when Derek is, like, putting up all the rest of the pictures. And Garcia brings more files, and you find out that, like, there have been a hundred plus killings in 15 years. Um, and they call him the most prolific serial killer. He's a killer turned professional. So like 
mm-hmm. the the killings that she found in the DMV. DMV, by the way, is DC, Maryland, Virginia. Yeah. The killings they found in the DMV of the past ten years were all like professional hits. But when she like expanded her search, she found even more because he had been like a serial killer before he was a hitman. And they say that he found the perfect career. Which, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's also, (laughs) they kind of, like, it's, it's interesting to me that they're, like, he's done this for so many years and not gotten caught because all of them look like gang hits. But, I don't know. It's just like the, it's interesting to me that they're like this is this guy's fucking prolific and he's very very good at what he does. And why did he trip up now? Like why Right. Why did we just now catch on? Yeah. Um we also see that Garcia doesn't like looking at the grizzly pictures. This is like one of the first times I think we Which see Which is her fair like, cuz this is grizzly as fuck. <laughs> yeah. She's also like not an FBI agent. She's not... She doesn't do crime, guys. No crime. I mean, she does crime, but not blood crime. Yeah. Yeah. So, Hotch and Derek... I love that Hotch and Derek are, like, on the case this episode. I know. Uh, I love whenever they're partnered up. Yeah. Because they're just so... They're like, we are male authority figures. Yep. <laughs> and it's just so funny to me. Yep. Um... They go to the bar and find Michael Russo there. I wrote Derek in sexy suit. He's wearing like a black button down, black tie, black suit. And I was like, damn, Derek. Derek really fucking getting it, my guy. I was, Derek is like, I have to wear a suit, but I'm still sexy. I'm still going to look fucking good, y'all. Yeah. Hotch wears the same thing every episode. Derek is like, nah, bruh. <laughs> I got suits to spare. Like. You see all the salary that you're spending on your kid? I spend it on suits. I send it on me. (laughs) Uh, And the ladies. They they tell Michael Russo, hey, your hitter is out of control. Um, And Russo's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Hotch is like, I'm just saying, if you're not ordering these hits, He's still doing them, and it's gonna look bad that you can't control your people. And then Russo like stands up and is like, "I'll deal with it." And then Derek like puts his arm around Michael Russo and was is like, mm, "What are your men gonna think about you looking so friendly with the FBI?" And then he like leaves, <laughs> and everyone in the club, everyone in the bar is like looking at Russo like. So whispering that he's like close with like an FBI agent. I like how they're all like. I love that everybody else in the bar can think of no other logical explanation other than the fact that your boss is in bed with the FBI. Like, if you're someone, the FBI's been after you for years. They show up. They like, you know, needle at you and they leave. Like, wouldn't your people just be like, man, fuck the FBI. Get your yeah. hands off my man. But they wouldn't be like, wait a minute. Are you kind of gay, dude? Like, boss... are you in bed with the FBI, dude? Are you kind of gay, bro? <laughs> well, it's kind of gay of you to, like, follow the law, bro. <laughs> bro, it's kind of gay of you to let that other man put his arm around you. That's kind of gay, bro. bro That's kind of sus, bro. 
Yeah. Um, anyway, toxic masculinity is a prison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, then we see Gideon leaving with a vest and Reed and Elle are with the surveillance team outside of Bruce's office. Um, and they're it's, just kind of like like Garcia and Reed are like saying some like nerd shit about how the fucking listener devices work and then Elle's just like so will they work and then Garcia's <laughs> just like I mean yeah if if yada 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 nerd shit explanation works then yes and Elle's just yeah. like so will it work and then it starts to come over the speakers that it is yeah. working she's like okay good thank god yeah Elle's so stupid I love her <laughs> love of my mean. life Mean lesbian. She's not a nerd. Exactly. And like, I want her to talk down to me about being a nerd and that's okay. So I thought this moment though was actually really interesting because Reed is explaining, basically they like shoot a beam of light at the office window and it like reflects back the sound. It's called the rule of optics. And Garcia knows it. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting that they didn't have Reed be like, blah, blah, blah. And then the other people are like, okay, nerd. Instead, Garcia was like, yeah, the will of optics. Everyone knows that. And I was like, yeah. Everybody knows knows that. that. Yeah, guys. (laughs) Just like looking around furtively like, dude, does everybody know that? Yeah. So then they can hear him. And also, okay, this made me laugh so hard. Russo calls and he picks up the phone and he's like, Vinny. (laughs) Vinny, you gotta come here. (laughs) I was like, Really? Y'all are not expecting an FBI, like, tap of your phones after all this fucking time spent running away from the FBI. I was just laughing so hard at the fact that the fucking, like, Italian mafia hitman's name is... Vinny. Vinny. They really were like, gotta do it. (laughs) At least one of them has They went on to fucking fantasynamegenerators.com and went over to look at Italian names and this was the first five that popped up. They're like, Jimmy, Freddy, Michael, Vinny. Like, Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, oh and then this is the guy um, talking. Then it cuts back to Vin- Jimmy being torched again. The guy's like pulling Vinny's fucking teeth out. And also talking like about, talking like, on like maggots. a landline phone. Yeah. The- <laughs> It's like, it has a fucking cord attaching it to the receiver. Like, this is an old-ass phone. And I shouldn't be surprised because it's 2005. But, like, <laughs> bro, that looks like a phone my grandma had. Like, Yeah. So, then Garcia's doing her tip-tap typing. Um, and she finds that there are ten Vinnies in this mafia organization. Because, of course, there are. Elle puts her coffee down. Garcia just throws it away and is like, Garcia just like throws expensive. it in the trash. She's like, all of this equipment is very expensive. And it's like, okay, yeah, but like, hand it back to her then. Right, just be like, hold this or I will dump it on you. Don't just like trash. Elle is literally like, I wasn't finished with that. <laughs> like, hey, Queens. Hey, Queens. Why are you fighting? Why are you fighting? And then I wrote Garcia Felony LMAO got him. <laughs> Garcia's like, we'll all go to prison if this if anybody sees this. And then Reed's like, yeah, don't worry, we're committing a felony. It's fine. And then Elle's just like, yeah, it's fine, dude. Are you fucking are you being a little bitch about it? Like, it's fine, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so funny. 
This is like twice in a row Gusty has been like, yes, I am hacking. And yes, this is an, a felony. <laughs> hey, Reed, you're now an accessory to a crime. Twice. So they find out Vincent Parada. He has a juvie record, but no adult record. And they're like, that's got to be him. And then it cuts to Gideon, Kramer, Derek, and Hotch in the junkyard. Hotch is hit and beaten and fucking garroted. He's like fucking choked out by this dude. Yeah. Yeah. So the you know he puts the gar the garrot the like metal thing to like choke Hotch, and they're like Derek, don't kill him. You're not allowed to kill him. So then Kramer tases him, and the guy is like just standing there like he like lets Hotch go but he's like guys come on and then Gideon also tases him and then he finally falls I was like fuck man (laughs) and like why do tasers scream 2005 to me like an adult person using a taser just screams 2005 I don't know why it's not just like the taser it's like the taser gun like when you shoot the thing and it like has the two clips and the strings, that kills me. <laughs> I mean, I'm cops should be using tasers and not guns. Yes, guns. absolutely. But when they did that, I was like, Gideon, you look so fucking bad. <laughs> yeah, you like, look so Dead. fucking stupid right now, y'all. <laughs> like- yeah. Um, they find a van with blood in it and Jimmy's jacket. So now they're like, this is the dude. He's got Jimmy. Also, like, as Gideon's going over to, like, take care of uh, Hodge or whatever, he's like, can you fucking loosen your tie up for once in your life? (laughs) That's my quote for the end of the episode. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Take your tie up for once in your life. Yeah. So they take Vinny to Quantico, and they, like, put him in a room that's, like, just two chairs and, like, nothing else. And um Kramer is like what the hell like you're supposed to make them comfortable so they open up and Gideon's like it's different for people with antisocial personality disorders we need to make him uncomfortable (laughs) the way I literally have six full pages of notes we're on the last two yeah you can just go dude (laughs) okay so then Derek L Penelope and Reed are looking at stuff and they find at looking at Vinny's stuff and they find tapes and like tapes. Oh, this is yeah. They're like tapes. we're gonna go watch it. Like yeah, I know. I found a better quote for the end. That I wrote down. Who the fuck uses tapes? I know. So they're like they're like, ooh, we're gonna watch movies. It's gonna be great. Gideon like tells Hotch like go home and Hotch is like, no, <laughs> I hate myself. I'm staying here. Um, Gideon is the first one to introduce himself. He's like, or like the first one to go into the room. He goes in, he introduces himself, he starts talking. And Derek and Hodge and Kramer are watching. And Kramer's like, why don't I just go in there and like beat the shit out of him? Like turn the cameras off. I'll make him talk. Which like, cops, bad, FBI bad. Okay. FBI bad. FBI so bad, dude. And then like, they like Hodge is just like he learned to deal with abuse at a young age. The pain does fucking nothing for him. Shut yeah, the fuck up Hodge, and let us do our jobs. Hodge isn't like, dude, that's wrong. Hodge is like, nah, it wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
okay. What the fuck? Yeah. And so Gideon calls him like a psychopath and calls him paranoid. Um, shows him a picture of Jimmy and the family like on the board. And Freddy like makes a... Freddy? No, the guy. Vinny. Oh, no, no, no. So they show... They um, are talking about Freddy. And Vinny is like, you know... Do you remember that commercial where they sell those dead worms? The, like, pills that'll help your dead worm? You know, like, like making dick jokes. And Gideon is like, oh, are you familiar with it? Do you have a problem with your worm? Like, why does... Why does the way that you said that just sound like a John Mulaney joke? The way that you said that just sounds so much like a John Mulaney joke. And I don't know why, but it's like... Do you have a problem with your worm? Yeah. Gideon, once again, calling men impotent. That's Um, really like his favorite fucking thing to do. I know. But the thing is, is when he says that, Vinny is like... Shut the fuck up, dude. Um, but then Kramer runs in and is like, the guy you took is an FBI agent. Rah, rah, rah. And then he leaves. And then Vinny just like looks at Gideon and is like, is it still paranoid if I'm right? <sighs> and Gideon's like, motherfucker, dude. So he just leaves. leaves because you can't do anything else at that point because <laughs> Agent Kramer fucked you over so badly. Yeah. So then Penelope and Reed... Um, Oh, this is a great Penelope joke. They're like putting the tapes in and Penelope's like, mm, I hope this one's like going to be about a naked co-ed and a plumber. And Reed's like, what? And she's like, a naked co-ed and a plumber. And he's like, I don't know what that means. And she's just like, okay, well. Like... <laughs> you know how co-eds. <laughs> just like... Okay, so in porn, there are several... Like... <laughs> Welcome to our Describing Porn Corner. I hate it here too. Don't worry. (laughs) No, I'm not going to. I just like really wanted Penelope to be like, I was making a a porn joke. Never mind, Reed. Also, like in what world does Reed like, in what world does Reed not watch porn? Yeah. We know you aren't getting any right now, baby boy. And it's okay, but like. It's fine, Reed. Bro. Um, anyway, there are videos of people being tortured and um, eaten alive by rats. <laughs> Which is horrifying. Horrifying. And also, you like- can see Penelope just like puts it in, presses play, and then she's like, oh, what the fuck? And we just like, just put in another one. And they're both just <laughs> staring with like blank, abject horror on their faces as it's they're staring like- at this screen. I just like, this is the most prolific serial killer ever of all time psychopath whatever whatever you find tapes really you're gonna think they're gonna be fun like in what world is the collection of tapes in the psychopath serial killer's box not videos of dead people well this is garcia though she doesn't know all that so if you find I would still be like a normal person's house it would be like yeah fine that's some porn which by the way it sounds so fucking weird to me that like porn was ever on tapes but I I guess it was 2005 it's 2005 and they're purchasing their porn 
from stores. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. They don't pirate <laughs> it like we do now. They've got um, that VHS porn, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that vintage VHS porn. Um, Ugh. But... Wait, but not in thinking like... about it. Sorry, no. My local sex shop, though, still does sell porn. Oh yeah, sex shops do still sell porn. But like, of course they do. They still sell it. Like they still have VHS tapes for whatever reasons. In oh, on a the shelf, ones I've seen have all been like DVDs. And like, yes, a collection of DVDs. But there is one shelf that now that I'm remembering it is actually VHS tapes of porn. And now I like. Now I'm like, who buys that? No, that's the shop saying we've been open since 1974, <laughs> and nobody that's has bought these VHSs. We've been, a, we've been a thriving local establishment for so long <laughs> because there's nothing else to do in Kansas. We yeah. are still trying to get rid of these fucking <laughs> porn videos. Please, please take buy these them. Vintage VHS porn tapes, please. We will sell them to you for a dollar. Just get them out of our store. <laughs> like. <laughs> Uh, Sorry. Anyway, it's rats eating them alive. It is. It's sad. horrifying. Yeah. Um, and then Gideon's like yelling at Kramer and Kramer feels guilty. And, oh, I wrote, Reed interrupts about torture with rats. And then I drew a sad face. Reed's like, excuse me. Hey, I know you're like Hey guys, I know we're yelling. having a moment here, but there's rats. Um, hey guys, I know you're like fighting about something. Um, but he does kill people by making rats eat them alive. If that's useful to you to know. <laughs> like... And then I said, JJ takes photos with rats to put on TV. What? Oh, oh, I know what this scene is. I remember this scene. JJ, they're like in the bullpen talking. And JJ comes over. And... Hotch hands her like printouts of stills of the videos. Oh, of like and, the people. Yeah. And she's looking at them and she's like, what is this? And they're like, um, those are people being elite, eaten alive by uh, rats. And she's just like, uh huh. <laughs> what do you want me to do with that? <laughs> yeah, because like, what the fuck do you want her to do with that at this point? Yeah. And Hotch is like, if you could like, put those on tv and maybe we can figure out what his like horrifying though that imagine finding out that your loved one is dead because you see a picture of them getting eaten alive by rats on the 11 o'clock how Um, fucking horrifying yes and she literally is like okay (laughs) just like leaves with these photos she's like I hate my job. I hate she my absolutely job. did not put those on TV. You have to know those went into her office trash can. No, she was like one into the shredder, <laughs> two, two into, into the, the shredder. shredder. If only I could put my brain into the shredder, four into the shredder. She's like, no one is seeing these photos. Or she um, just like redacted everything except for these people's faces, and that was it. It's I like, think it was like to figure out like what room they were in, like if anyone recognized like. The style of room or something. If like, I was see like... a picture of a dead person being on the floor eaten by rats, I'm not looking at the architecture. I'm not I mean... saying, oh, that's a beautiful antebellum home. I'm saying that's a person <laughs> getting eaten by rats on a dirty basement floor. What the fuck? Can you put that on the news? I don't think you can. I don't know. It's not exactly like a war documentary you know like it's, it's not exactly getting 
eaten by rats. Like, sometimes things are too gory for to be put on the news. Mm. They don't put incredibly gory things on the news. If they can yeah. avoid it. They don't. No. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't know. Fucked they're up. Just like, Fucked they're just up. Like, they're just like, I'm not doing this. I'm going home and I'm getting drunk and you guys can see me tomorrow. <laughs> like, goodbye. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. So fucked up. Let's hey, continue. Garcia, do you need to forget those rat photos? Why don't you come over and drink? Let's get fucking wasted because holy shit, we've both seen horrifying things today. Yeah. Um, so then they figure out that Vinny lived like completely off the grid. He like has no home address, no phone number, no electricity bill, no credit cards, no nothing. Um, and they say that like, what's weird though about this most recent killings is that Freddy was very easy to find. And that would have been really like off script for him, you know, like. It was very he... easy to find Freddy's decapitated head. Yeah. And the other bodies that were just in fucking trash cans on the same street. Yeah. And, and he like didn't torture Mrs. DeMarco either. Yeah. And so this is when Gideon looks at Hotch and he goes, what do you say we fucking finish this thing? And Hotch heads into the, uh, into the interrogation room with Vinny. And this scene, this last Hotch part is so good. Oh, my heart. My heart belongs to Aaron Hotchner. Not for any of that like weird straight person reason, but just because I think he's a good, good boy. I mean, he's a he's an okay boy. He's a but cop. in this scene. In this but scene. in this cop, he's a in this in this scene, he's a good, good boy. <laughs> yeah, in this scene. In this scene, he's a sad little boy. Um, so you find out basically he's like, Hey Vinny, your dad beat you. Um all the time and you used to blame your mom for it but then you realize that he was beaten your mom too um and like you've killed hundreds of men Vinny, but only one woman just this time and that made you fuck up and Vinny, this whole time is very much like don't you fucking talk about my mother don't you <laughs> yeah, fucking don't do you it fucking talk about my mother yeah so while this is going on penelope and rita are listening to tapes and they hear an airplane so they're like, okay, he must be near an, an airport. airport. And, and then Elle oh, and Morgan are going through the trash that was in. This logic, I don't necessarily understand. I love this logic to pieces. So they're going through the trash that was in his car. All this stuff they found was from his car, his van. And they find a pizza box. They find a whole bunch of shit. They find, like, fucking burger wrappers and, like, fast food shit. Just a lot of other garbage. But they yeah. find a pizza box. And Elle is like, where do you order pizza from? Derek's like, I order it from my neighborhood. And she goes, exactly. Every single person only orders pizza from their neighborhood. And that's how they find him. There is only one pizza place with the name of their pizza. And it's in Glen Burnie, right by the airport. Um, I like this logic for what they use it for. They're like, okay, so he's... Here's the other thing, though. Is if you have... If you get a pizza delivered, right? You have to be within the delivery range of that store. Yes. Of that pizza store. Yes. So, like, obviously... If he's, at, if he's at a stakeout, he's going to whatever pizza place is near... His but, but, I'm not gonna drive more than half an hour for a fucking pizza, dude. 
I don't know. No, like it, but they, this, but they this talk logic, about him. Like this logic he's... tracks for me. So it it tracks for me if he was only buying pizza when he was in his own neighborhood. But they're going through like, oh, it's burgers, it's like coffee things, it's things you eat on stakeouts because he like stalks the victims for a long time. But he has killed people all over D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. It does not make like like is the logic like he only buys pizza when he's stalking people in his own neighborhood? I think the logic works when you combine it with airport sounds and when you combine it with like looking for things in his father's name. I think it's just a little piece of the puzzle. I don't think it's the whole puzzle. I think this is a piece of the puzzle. I mean, I just like I get that. But the idea that she's like, I found a pizza box. You only buy pizza from your own neighborhood. Therefore, his neighborhood must be near this pizza restaurant. That like, tracks I, like, for me. I don't know. That tracks That tracks in my head. I just like, does he literally only eat pizza when he's home? Or does he get the pizza delivered to his house and then just take the box with him of like his leftovers while he's on a stakeout? You look so confused right now. I I just, I don't understand. It makes sense to me, James, and that's all that matters. But he's in Virginia on a stakeout, and he's like, damn, I want some pizza. I guess I have to wait three days until I'm home again. I think it's also combined with the fact that they only found one pizza box in there, with from or pizza boxes from one place in there. I get that. It's just like this man is literally like, I will only eat pizza when I am home. Don't question the weird psychopath, okay? Don't fucking question him. And it like just so happens not to be a chain. Like it just so happens to be this one local. It's a local mom and pop pop (laughs) pizza shop. (laughs) Because everything in Baltimore is apparently very Italian. I don't know, bro. Don't fucking question it. I have questions. Don't fucking question it, dude. If he was really from Baltimore, he'd eat fucking those from those restaurants. I never ate pizza in Baltimore because I didn't like any of them because I'm from Miami. But (laughs) (laughs) but there's like three or four chains in Baltimore that like that's where you order pizza from. So it's just like weird to me. I guess he's in Glen Burnie, but still it extends. Um. Anyway. Glen Burnie. Go way too, way too wrapped up in that pizza mystery, dude. <laughs> way too wrapped up in that pizza mystery. You know I have feelings about things. And it uh, just yeah, so I happens guess. pizza's one of them, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Um, okay. His dad, Frank Parada. He's living in his dad's house. We find out that Frank died in a suspicious hunting accident with his son 30 years ago when his son was 17. And they say, hmm... Maybe it's not so suspicious. Maybe it wasn't a hunting accident. Maybe it was this kid's first kill. Boom, boom, boom. Dramatic. Mm-hmm. And then Derek says, you're my girl. And kisses Penelope's head. This is the first one of their very sweet moments. It was cute. I just like, cute. I just love them. I love, I love them, them so much. I know. It's ridiculous. They're the one straight ship on this show that I'm like, okay. I was with. just gonna say, I was like, they're the my... only legitimate straight ship. They're my designated straights on this show. Yeah, I support straights. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
the SWAT breaks into Frank Parati's house. They go into the basement and they find him. And then <laughs> Gideon, Gideon is kicking is aside these rats. Kicking rats. <laughs> he is just like, get away from him. Get away from him. Kicking rats. Just no. hunting these rats no. across the basement. Just stop. And it's like, even when they close up on Kramer, like untying Jimmy, Gideon is in the background just kicking rats. Get out of here. Get also, out of here. How are these rats not running away just like from the noise and the fucking lights and the people? Uh, it is so funny to me. Gideon? My man. Gideon is unintentionally <laughs> the funniest character on this fucking show. <laughs> Get away from him. Get out of here. Fucking Kicking rats. Kicking rats. <laughs> rats. Like, gun pointed at fucking rats. Like, <laughs> What are you gonna do, dude? Are you gonna fucking pop a cap in a rat, dude? Like, what? So then it cuts back to Hotch and Vinny. And they're sitting there, like, so close that, like, knees are fucking touching. And they're talking about, like, your dad hit you. And, like, you know, there's two types of people. And, like, some people grow up to be killer. Like, some people who are abused grow up to be killers and then like as Hodge is walking out Vinny is like and what about like the other type of people and Hodge turns around and goes some people grow up to catch them I love Aaron Hodgner so goddamn much in this moment yeah it's, it's really just so I love Aaron Hodgner so much and I think this episode and this revelation hits harder because you just met Hodgner's son you just met his son. Uh, yeah. And so you're like, yeah, you're going to break the cycle, dude. You're going to yeah, do yeah. all you can to be better than your dad was. And that just like. Yeah. And I and I that hits, dude. People talk <laughs> that hits about in my how heart, Aaron, man. People talk about how Aaron Hotchner was abused as a kid. And I didn't remember it because this is the only time they mention it. Mm-hmm. But it is, I think, very made very apparent in this episode. That, like, he catches bad guys because his, like, father was a bad guy. I think it's such a good... I don't know. It just, like, every so often through the series, like, I think they hearken back to it a lot in a lot of really little ways. And I think Mm -hmm. it's such a good cornerstone to build your hard-ass male character from. Like, it just... It's just like the fact that Aaron Hotchner the fact that Aaron Hotchner uses his authority to protect other people in like when they're on a case or like in a room or like to make people listen to his teammates is just so fucking good and like reading that as like the little kid standing up for himself and standing up mm-hmm. for his brother and standing up to for his mom standing up to his dad is just like oh. Yeah, and I I think that it really informs the way that he is like a father to the team. You know, we joke about Daddy Hotch, but he really does take on that parental role. And I think it is like him making good and him seeing people um, who are his responsibility and keeping them safe and keeping them protected. You know, and the fact that he... You know, in this episode and again and again, you know, downplays his own 
physical and emotional hurt to make sure that he can continue to support his team members says a lot about him. Like he's, you, you know, not to read too much into him as an abuse victim, but he, you know, I guess is used to that more physical pain, emotional pain. And so he pushes it away in order to be a better father figure, authority figure to the people he loves, his team. God, I love, like, ugh. Yeah, and I think it, it makes a spoiler alert for season fucking 12. Um, I think it makes his decision to leave make sense, you know, as abrupt as it is because of all the behind the scenes politics. You know, I think that the fact that he sees that he his job and his life is putting Jack in danger, you know, and that Jack is going to have these, I mean, by season 12, Jack is 12. You know, like he's, he's hitting puberty. He's starting to, he would be understanding what's going on. And he would know that his dad and his dad's job is what's putting him in danger is what led to Haley's death. I think that Hotch deciding that it's for the best for him to quit and for him to be that in order to protect Jack, in order to be a good father, he had to stop putting himself and his son in danger. God, it's just... Sometimes they say these things and you're like so, so convinced that the writers do forget about them. But then you look at the whole show overall and the whole character arc overall and you're like, if the writers did remember this moment, they're fucking geniuses for it. Like, (laughs) this is why, like, we keep going back on, like, good character development or fan-made character development. You know, like, on the one hand, if the writers were thinking about this when they gave Hotch that exit, good writing, good art. Yeah. If they if just they gave him that exit just because of whatever, bad writing out of the blue, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like literally like, yeah. clearly, what did the writers know what they were doing? Yes? Good no? show. No? Question mark? Bad yeah. show. <laughs> like- <laughs> it's just, God, I love Aaron Hotchner so fucking much. Yeah, he's a good boy sometimes. A bad love- boy sometimes, but he's a good boy. I just love... Oh this and like breaking the cycle of abuse and like being better than your father was it's good it's a good one and i think that's why he and um prentice are such a good um duo in that way and understand each other so much because she's trying to do the same thing with her mother you know getting over the neglect and -hmm. the emotionally stuntedness you know so like i get why she I mean, she should not have been fucking Unity. Let's be real. It should have been JJ, but, or Derek, even if he'd stayed. Um, But, you know, I think that that's kind of what they were trying to do when they put her there to mirror Hotch's arc. Um, But it was a bad choice. I actually do just love the, um, the end quote from, the end quote from Gideon, the, the end bookend quote. Um, it's just like the healthy man does not torture others. Generally, it is the tortured who turn into torturers. And it just shows you that end shot of Vinny looking at Hotch and Hotch looking back at Vinny. And it's like, oh, God, the fucking power. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This mm-hmm. fucking. Oh. Sometimes it shows real good. And I guess Sometimes this show good, hard. dude. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. So that's it. 
What? Uh, what do you rank in this episode, dude? Out of I'm ten, this episode an eight. An eight. Okay, giving it, giving it what it deserves. I mean, I it's mean, a season one eight, but it, it's an eight. It is a season one eight, which we do always have to keep in mind because we will be ranking every single episode from this season. Mm-hmm. Because we're crazy people. I'm. Let's see. You gave last episode a seven. I gave last yeah. episode an eight. I'm also gonna give this one an eight because I do just think this also slaps so fucking hard. Yeah. Do they say "natural born killer" in this episode? Do they say the name of the episode? I think. Or was that a goof that we did? So. Yeah. Was that a goof? I think. Or did I they think, say it? I think they said it. Okay. Perfect. Whatever, just give it a smiley face. <laughs> give it a smiley face. Uh, they didn't it's say just... wheels up because they didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Because they were just at... Uh... They were just at the BAU this whole time. Yeah. And that's it for this episode of Wheels Up. Y'all join us uh, in, you know, the next time that we're live um, for episode 109, Derailed. I don't remember that episode at all. Oh, yes, you do. You will remember it oh! when you see it. Yup. The train one? No, it's an episode called Derailed oh. and it's not about trains, James. Oh, it is the train one. It's the train <laughs> one. <laughs> Called derailed, you dumb idiot. Of course, it's like stop being weird to me. (laughs) (laughs) We will be back uh, in two Wednesdays from now. You know the drill with that episode. Um, Until then, y'all can find us on social medias uh, at Wheels Up Pod pretty much everywhere. Um, And we will see you then. James, do we have an outro quote? We do. As Penelope Garcia says to Spencer Reed while they're on their way to watch videos of people being eaten alive by rats. Yay, movie night! I'll make popcorn. <laughs> I love her! <laughs> oh, I love her so much. Literally like, I'll make popcorn. <laughs> is it porn? <laughs> oh my god, it is rats eating people alive. <laughs> <laughs>